Merry Christmas. I'm Stephanie Smith. And I'm Angela Sackett. We're so glad you're joining us for our 2020 Advent study, Longing and Light. Just as God's people long for the promised Messiah to come, we savor his appearing and long for his return. During this Advent, we will see how the Gospel of John recognizes an innate longing in all of us and points us to fulfillment in Jesus. As we enter into this Christmas season, we're closing a year filled with challenges, disappointments, and shifting ground. Advent is an incredible invitation to lean forward and look up at Jesus, our hope, our anchor, and the light that shines in the darkness. Welcome to week two of Longing and Light. I'm Stephanie and I'm here with Angela and she's going to be leading us today in our discussion on the bread of life. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to start out with a question. You asked me a question in session one. So for those that are listening, they might not know this. I am primarily gluten-free slash paleo in my eating, but I am a food junkie. And um, yeah, (laughs) so is Stephanie. In fact, she tortures me often with her Instagram pictures of places I cannot go because. (laughs) So I want to ask you, we're talking about the bread of life today. Um, You are I know you love good, good pastries, especially. So tell me all the carbs, (laughs) all the carbs, the very best, most delicious bready kind of thing that you can remember eating. Mm, That is like the best question I've ever been asked. Um, there was a French bakery actually in West Palm Beach in Florida when my husband and I went there one year for like a fun getaway. And I hate that I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but it was it was so authentically French and I had mm. a raspberry cream cheese croissant. And it just blew my mind with how delicious it was. And I often wish I could go back. I am jealous. And I went to college there, by the way. Oh, really? You did? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. For my first year and a half. Yep. Well, I would have to say for me, you're going to know this as soon as I say it, because it's back in St. Pete, Florida, where Stephanie is and where I used to live. And there is this little bakery called Craft Cafe, which I think has expanded into multiple locations now. Um, And they are primarily paleo and they do these insanely delicious muffins and I love um, craft cafe oh my goodness yeah that's those are the pictures with which you torture me often <laughs> but um I will never forget sitting in that cafe with the sunlight dappling through and having a latte with house-made almond milk and a paleo pastry that was to die for with my daughter so mm. one of my favorite foodie bread memories <laughs> Well, today we're going to talk about Jesus, the bread of life, and we actually are going to make some connections to food, real life, eat it kind of food. Love Um, it. You do that so well. (laughs) You know, I do that a lot. Um, We're going to start off by reading. Um, So we're going to read out loud to start off, and we're going to start with um, kind of a hefty passage, actually. And Stephanie, if you're in John 6, maybe if you want to just kind of start off, um, we're going to start at verse 22, and believe it or not, go all the way to verse 59. Wow. Okay. Do you want me to read all of that or half of it? Um, Go ahead and read up to, let's say, 40. Okay. 
The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea knew there had been only one boat. They also knew that Jesus had not boarded the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone off alone. Some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they ate the bread after the Lord gave thanks. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I assure you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. Mm. What can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. Mm -hmm. What sign then are you going to do so we may see and believe you, they asked. What are you going to perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I assure you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the real bread from heaven. Mm -hmm. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. A mm. couple quick notes in that section, something that jumped out, you mentioned in session one, to kind of keep an eye. We, we were looking at that word witness and testify. And we see an example here of the, the Jews coming to him and saying, show us a sign, help us believe. We want to, we want a sign, a testimony, um, which I think is interesting. And I'll just kind of skim past this, skim through these next couple of verses. So the Jews start complaining that he says, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And they do this in verse 42. Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say I've come down from heaven? So they're kind of questioning that he is who he says he is. And, you know, why is he talking right. all big? Um, and then we see repeated again. In verse 50, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Um, if anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread I give for the, I'm sorry, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Hmm. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about several places in scripture to kind of put this in context because there are a lot of references here that Jesus is making. And we see that throughout John as he's teaching us, believe in Jesus, believe in the light of the world, believe in the bread of life. And that um, word popped up so many times and what have we yes. just read? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. And one of the ways that he does that, and we kind of already touched on this, is he's taking us back through time to see 
this is what God did. This is how he pointed forward. This is the fulfillment of that that we see in Jesus. So we're going to look at a couple different events in history um, as recorded in scripture. And the first of those is Passover. Um, So we're going to go to Exodus 12. And we won't read all of this section, but I just want to kind of build a case of what's happening. So this is... Um, well, you know what? You take a minute. Explain what's happening here in history, the Exodus. Okay. Well, God just finished attacking Egypt with a bunch of plague <laughs> because the <laughs> Pharaoh mess. was not letting his people go. And as they are preparing, well, God's preparing them to leave Egypt. But um, right before that, is this last plague of the death of the firstborn. And God gives them instructions through Moses and Aaron about how they are to prepare their homes and a meal that they are to eat. And it all has uh, significance and symbolism. How'd I do? (laughs) Yes, you did. You nailed it. Good job. Um, For those of you that don't remember this, Stephanie actually, Stephanie, I actually taught through Exodus leading up to Easter this last year. So this is looking back fondly um for us yes yes so bookmark gives... our lint study if you if you want for for 2021 it yes. we'll still have it available it's so good yes we might go through it live again we'll have to see that was fun um so yes god is given very specific instructions here um the israelites have been in oppression captivity slavery and he's going to release them and he tells them, and most of you will remember this, paint the blood on the doorpost and you're going to um, eat meat that has been quickly roasted in a certain way. And you're going to eat bread that's um, not been leavened. It didn't take the time to rise. And you're going to eat with your belt on and your sandals on. Um, and then in verse 43, this is Exodus 12, 43. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you've circumcised him. Um, He goes on to say no foreigner or hired worker, only the people that are in a household can eat it. And he says in 47, all the congregation of Israel shall keep it. Um, And then again in 49, there shall be one law for the native and one law for the stranger who sojourns among you. And in this section, he's giving the command that this isn't just a one-time thing that these rituals he's asking them to do, but there's going to be a celebration annually that the, the Israelites are to practice as a reminder of what God does in freeing them from captivity. I love, I'm such a visible, tactile person. And so I love that God's always giving them hands-on illustrations to remember to hold on to. Yes, and that he always tells us to do stuff frequently or like annually because he knows how forgetful we are. (laughs) Daily would be better for me on some of those things. Yes, exactly. So a couple takeaways from this that I think are really cool that um, number one, I want us to see that John, when he when he tells the story of Jesus referring to the bread of life, the Israelites actually say to Jesus, well, wait a minute, you know, Moses gave us the manna. Jesus turns around and tells them, actually, God gave you the manna. Moses was just an instrument, but I'm the living bread. I'm the actual um, subject of that illustration that you saw and that you remember every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Exodus 3 or Exodus 12, there are a couple takeaways. One, God has a bigger plan than we can see in the moment. And I think sometimes he's working something in us right now to show us a little more of his character, a little more of his faithfulness. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, if, if I was told paint the blood on your, you know, paint, paint your front door with blood, <laughs> all these things, doesn't make any sense. And right. yet 
he's painting a bigger picture, literally painting. Yeah. Um, no pun intended, but it happened. Um, blood represents life. And we're going to, um, we'll see more of that illustration in a little bit. But um, even though the animal was slaughtered and, and we know throughout those um, sacrifices that were instituted in the Old Testament, death had to happen in order for life and freedom and delivery to happen, which Jesus is now pointing us toward that sacrifice that he will make um, for them. Jesus is the only way to life where um, we are dead without him. We are hopeless without him. And there is no other path. He's the only way. Um, in the same way that the Israelites could not get out alive unless they followed these very specific instructions. Um, and there's something, I don't know, kind of shocking in our society about that. I, I heard someone or I read someone the other day say Christianity is exclusively inclusive, that all are welcome, but there's only one way to get in. And that's mm. through Christ. Um, and I think that's pretty powerful. Um, God fiercely protects his holiness and demands our obedience. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in week four. Um, but I think that's really important. He gave um, the Egyptians and Pharaoh chance after chance after chance to obey him. And when mm. they refused, the consequence was deep. You know, yeah. it was deep. Um, so he's not he's not going to mess around. He will demand that. Um, and then that you, we, you kind of touched on it before he calls us to remember his works. And I think that's important. Even as we're studying through this at Advent, um, we want to be smitten, taken away by awe of God and, um, remember him. And so I just want to encourage you guys as you're going through this week and through this month, um, yes, do the things that are, you know, wonderful traditions, sweet traditions for your family, but, how can you really settle in, pinpoint God's goodness, God's sovereignty, his holiness, the sacrifice of Jesus that we remember, even as we remember his birth, in through all of those celebrations? How can we focus on um, celebrating God's work and remembering it? Yeah. So um, that's kind of just a little of the backstory that we see here in the section of John. I want to talk to you about the manna. So um, Exodus 16, and we're, we're going back to this again because the Israelites say to him, you know, didn't Moses provide the manna? So they, they get out of um, captivity. They have this Passover where the um, angel of death comes through and wipes out the firstborn in every family who doesn't obey, namely the Egyptians, um, and frees the Israelites. So now they're on and they're out in the wilderness and they are um, wandering around waiting for what God has next for them. And mm -hmm. we see um, chapter 16 of Exodus tells us it's about a month and a half. I think I'm trying to remember how many. Let's see. The people came out to the wilderness. This is starting at verse one um, of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. And Steph, maybe you can speak to this. I don't I don't actually know. Were the months the same pretty much? like 30 days the way ours are um i don't know yeah me either however what i do know is it takes care to tell us a month and 15 days which if if it's the same as ours we're talking about people less than a month and a half mm -hmm. and they they've been delivered from slavery from abuses and torture and they come to moses and they they tell him we're they're grumbling and they say you brought us out here to die we're starving to death 
And I have to giggle because how many times in a day do we say, I'm starving, or our kids say to us, I'm starving. Um, But they literally in a month and a half have forgotten what God did to free them from captivity. Um, Like you said, we forget (laughs) so easily. Um, But manna, so what God does is he provides this unknown substance. And the word manna actually means in the Hebrew, what is it? They don't even know what it is. It's something new they haven't seen before um, to feed them. And we know the story. Steph, you want to just briefly recap that? Um, They get it every morning. Yeah, that's that's a really great story Um, because God tells them he's going to provide this manna and from heaven. And he does tell them very specifically not to gather more than they need each day. And then on the day before, they're allowed to gather a little extra for the Sabbath so that they're not working on the Sabbath. And just for God to emphasize, like, I am your portion and, and you need to trust (laughs) me. And, and anyone that doesn't heed that instruction finds that their bread has been spoiled. And I think even has like maggots in it. Right. Yeah. Nasty. (laughs) I can't even handle a little white spot of mold. I panic. I can't imagine opening that up and finding. But yes, that's exactly right. They get enough for the day. It goes bad if they try to take too much. And then they're told on um, the the day before the Sabbath that they're to take enough for both days because God wants them to rest and trust him for his provision. Um, I love this because this is a place where God is showing them, you said it, he is their portion. He is providing for their very most basic needs of survival. Um, But he's making it very clear that he is the one providing it. Um, and I think that's something that we can even um, lay overlay our reading of this passage, passage in John, where we begin to see um, Jesus, even as we looked at this miracle of him. Did I talk about that yet? The providing for the 5,000? He refers to nope, that. Nope, not yet. Let's talk about that for a second. So um, the section that we started off with um, immediately follows Jesus having performed the feeding of the 5,000. All these people came in. They wanted to hear him teach. The disciples came and said, hey, these people are getting hungry. How are they going to eat? And we remember that Jesus um, calls this little boy with the the baskets of bread and fishes. And he miraculously feeds way more than 5,000 because it's 5,000 men plus whoever all is with them. So it could be triple, quadruple that. We don't know. Um, And so then when Jesus, when we, when we, Sorry. When we come into this passage in John that we read from, Jesus is, he says to the people, you know, you followed me over here to the other side of the lake because your bellies were full and you just want more of that. But I'm telling you, I am the bread of life. If you eat of me, of my provision, you'll never be hungry again. Um, And I love that because he's really pointing them to it's way, it's about way more than the physical provision in the same way that we see that with the manna. It's mm-hmm. about right. his full provision for our existence. Um, soul hunger. I always talk about soul hunger. We're, we're hungry for way more than just the bread, the croissant. <laughs> My kids will laugh so hard because I said it that way. Um, <laughs> I always want to say it that way, but I feel like an idiot. So. <laughs> I do. And they're like, Mom, please don't do that in public. Um, so um, another takeaway I got from this, too, that was really powerful to me is Manna gave nourishment and daily provision despite the sins of the Israelites. So it's pretty 
pretty, um, what's the word? Um, bratty <laughs> of them <laughs> yeah. to be in God's face complaining after just a month and a half that they're starving to death. He's brought them out there to die. It would have been better to go back to slavery in Egypt. And yet, even though they've got these wretched, unappreciative attitudes, he still provides. And even after they decide they're going to you know, disobey him and take more food than they're supposed to and all that, he still provides. Um, and I think that's so important for us to understand when we look at Jesus, that in, through, despite, because of our sin, he calls us out of that to life in him. And that's not an excuse. That's not a free pass to, you know, get on Instagram and glorify my wine drinking habit or my (laughs) cursing at my children or whatever that is. But it's a recognition that his mercy extends to us regardless of whether we deserve it or not, because we do not. And we know we never will can't Mm -hmm. deserve it. Um, Psalm 78, 9 to 25, if you guys have your pens and your journals, which we always encourage you to do, write that passage down and go dig um, Psalm 78, 9 through 25. And I'm just going to read a tiny little portion of it. Um, they still sin, they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the most high in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God saying, can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. Um, And then skipping ahead a little bit. Yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. And he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. Um, Man ate the bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance. And I love that. You're going to talk a little bit next week about that idea of abundance and joy and yeah. survival, right? Yeah. <laughs> weddings. We'll, uh, we'll give you a little teaser. We're going to talk about weddings. Um, so something here that just jumped out at me, too, and this is kind of um, kind of a little rabbit trail. But in John 1, 1, we read last week, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Um, we're talking about the word. Jesus is the word that he speaks the word to them um, here when he refers to himself as the bread of life. And that just continues to blow me away when he speaks as he's telling them almost in this cryptic way that they're still not quite getting the fulfillment of those things that you saw, that you practiced every year. Um, And while we're in the Old Testament, I just want to quickly make a mention of this concept of show or bread of the presence, which was the sacrifice placed in the temple, um, in the tabernacle, and eventually in the temple. So there was a sacrifice of bread that was left on the table um, as a reminder of God's presence, and it was also eaten by the priests. Um, And when Jesus, I want you to think about this, because when Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life, I think there can be logically a connection here between him illustrating in God illustrating to the Israelites his presence with these loaves of actual bread in the temple. And then Jesus referring to himself as the bread. I think he's telling them, I am God on earth. I am the presence of God for you to see, to hear, Mm. to feel, to taste. Um, And I think about then when we later hear him say, I am with you always. His presence is with us. And then, you know, we know he's going to leave the Holy Spirit, but that's a whole other rabbit trail. Um, So real quickly, I want to touch on. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying good (laughs) stuff. Good stuff. 
Um, real quickly, I want to touch on this concept of feeding the 5,000. Um, and that was from John 6 also at the beginning. And that's really kind of in verses 1 through 15. Um, right. We talked about that, what the actual story was. But a couple of things that jumped out at me um, God provided for them abundantly. And again, you're going to talk about this a little bit next week. But um, this idea we see in that story that the Israelites didn't just get enough to survive. They didn't just each get a bite of bread, but it says there were leftovers. And I think 12 baskets, what some people have said mm-hmm. may represent 12 tribes of Israel. Um, but there were leftovers. God provided abundantly. And in Jesus, he provides not just our, our survival, not just our being raised to life from the dead, but he provides life abundantly for us. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's incredible. Um, there are two Greek words. I think there are actually three, but there are two that I, I found when I was digging a little bit. Tim Keller talks about this, um, the word life bio, which literally means life alive and the word Zoe, which means life worth living. Um, in verse six twenty, in chapter six, verse 27 of John, he uses the word Zoe. Um, do you have that in front of you? Chapter six, verse seven. Yep. Yes. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. Yes. So that word that's used there is that second word, the Greek word zoe. Um, Interesting side note, the midwife who delivered my first three babies was named Zoe. (laughs) Um, Pretty cool. But... um, That word means abundant life. And I love that because it really shows us that God wants us to live richly in fellowship with him. Um, It's not just about survival. Yeah, I recently learned um, at our church, we're going through 1 John, where he uses those three different Greek words for life, too. And that, that, that Zoe life is also like the life of the coming age. Yeah. Oh, we're going to get into that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. There's always that element of looking back at what God has done, worshiping him for what he's doing right now, and then trusting him for what he promises to do in the future. We're always in that. I love that. Um, So the other thing that I take away from this feeding of the 5,000 story is God feeds us so we can feed others. And I want to, I want to oh, talk about this a for a minute. Point. Yeah, because I think it's very easy for us, um, especially, I don't know, I feel like we live in an age where it's easy for us to be, you know, very aesthetic in our faith walk. You know, I'm, I follow all <laughs> kinds of Instagrammers and I try to be one too, who posts beautiful things. And I like my candle and I like my <laughs> essential oils and my special pens and all that. And your things. filters. Yes. <laughs> yep. You got it. Um, but I think, where was I going with that? Um, that can become very self-focused. It can become very much about, I'm going to eat all the good food. And we all know what happens when we eat all the food, good food or not, and we don't work it off. We become obese. And I think it's possible to do that in our faith, that we can become lazy. Um, we can become out of shape. But God gives us what he gives us in order to reflect his light, in order to go and feed others. And I want to talk about this for a minute because this this is one of my favorite sections in all of scripture. John 21, 
I'm going to just flip there real quick. In John 21, we see Jesus um, after the resurrection. Um, the disciples have been out, some of them fishing overnight, um, which I think is kind of cool because if we remember um, when they were called, they were out fishing and Jesus invited them to become fishers of men. Mm-hmm. And um, in verse uh, John 21, it says, um, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. And it tells us this way. And it tells the story of how these, these disciples didn't catch anything. And I, oh, I cannot read this. I'm going to, I'm going to get choked up because I just, I so am there when I read this story. But verse four, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. The did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, I love that he uses that phrase, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. I love you, Peter. Mm -hmm. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land for about a hundred yards off, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place. Like, put yourself there. It's probably a little chilly. It's not quite all the way light yet. This fire is going. You can smell it. Uh, With fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. This part right here. Verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from dead. And the next section, verses 15 and 19, I'm going to let you guys, hopefully I've whet your appetite. Go read this chapter because Jesus has this conversation with Peter where he asks him, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep, Peter. And I love this because he's connected once again, this physical illustration. He fed them. They were, you know, out all night, hardworking, probably sore muscles. And he, he gives this intimate invitation. I cooked breakfast for you. Can you mm-hmm. even imagine <laughs> the God of the universe cooked them breakfast yeah. and he invites them to come sit with him around the fire and eat breakfast. And then immediately says, now go feed my sheep. And I think Jesus saying, look, I'm feeding you. Now go take the message of my salvation to others. Feed the people around you. Um, good. And that kind of connects again to what we're going to talk to in the last week about the, the connection between um, what we receive from God and then his request for our obedience, his command for our, our obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, it always strikes me that Peter is like prominent as the the character of action in that section. Yes. And like, when you think about it, the last time him and Jesus had interaction or were relating in any way, it was him denying Jesus. Yes. And so I think it's really neat that he runs from the boat <laughs> to Jesus. Like just that picture of us like running to Christ for forgiveness and not like running away embarrassment but he just runs to him as as a friend and 
I just think that's really neat. You're going to laugh at me, but I immediately get this image. We have a two-year-old golden doodle. And she, it does not matter if my husband has been outside going to the mailbox or if he's been away as he was last week for a week. She hears his voice, or actually now she hears our Life 360. Her because that's her master, and she, and she's that way kind of with all of us, but that insane tripping over myself to get to the master yeah because he offers grace he offers mercy he offers love and Mm -hmm. ear scratches (laughs) (laughs) um I don't I don't think I can handle if Jesus scratched me behind the ears but that's another story (laughs) and I love Uh, how reflective it is of Jesus giving them bread and and fish of of the Passover meal like they're just like having like this deja vu moment and and same with the the throw your net over the side of the boat Mm because he did that previously too so he's like saying it to them with everything but words like I'm back (laughs) (laughs) look 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 um and you know here we are again too we want God to meet our earthly needs we want the I want the bread I want the fish I want to taste it right off the fire but he wants to provide and he promises to be with us. Um, it's about his presence with us. Thinking back to that Old Testament illustration of the, the bread of the presence. Um, God doesn't remove us from our struggles. In fact, he's going to go on to tell the disciples, um, you will have troubles in this world. Don't mm-hmm. be surprised. I will be with you. And that's his answer. And I think that's powerful. Um, that promises that. He will be with us. It's his presence. Um, That's kind of okay. So there's a couple takeaways from that. Um, Number one, I think we need to keep in mind that God often uses physical illustrations to show us eternal spiritual truths and to look for those. And I think I want to even say in our practices of Advent, of the Easter season, Whatever those holidays are, you know, people, is it, can Christians celebrate? You know, is it okay to have do Santa or whatever? I'm not going to say whether those things are okay or not. What I want to say is look for tangible ways you can illustrate in your home, at your table, on your walls, in your conversations with your children or your guests, um, the truth, the big spiritual truths of God's goodness, of our desperate need for his salvation, mm-hmm. um, of his free provision of that of then once we receive that, his call to obey him um, and to walk out that faith life. Um, Look for practical ways to illustrate that because God models that for us throughout scripture. Tangible, earthly, short-term things can show us a lot about who he is. Um, Our work is to believe in Jesus, and we're going to see that time and time again throughout the book of John. Our work, our job, is to believe him and then obey him. Um, and I made a note of that. I'm going to just flash back for just a second. Um, back in John one, um, God calls us, let me see, where is this passage? Um, to all who received, to all who received and believed him, he gave the right to become God's children. Mm -hmm. Um, 
he is calling us to obey once we respond to him. And I'm, I'm jumping ahead, so I'll just say that. I'll leave it there. Um, I want to look real quickly, Isaiah 55, 1 to 3, write that reference down. But I want to read it to you guys because I think it kind of sums up what we see here. And that is, um, it says this, come. Now, remember, this is Isaiah, all the way back in Isaiah. Right. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. And I think ah, that's just where I want to wrap up is that God has provided For our survival, he has provided what we need, but he himself is our provision in Jesus. Yeah. So good. And you mentioned earlier about like tying it in with the idea of blood, I think. And yes, just that reminder that this bread came at a, at a price, you know, Christ said, this is my body that was broken for you. So just that this isn't, um, I don't know, like it's not a meal to, to pass up or, or scoff at in the way that we prioritize our life, but that this is a meal, a banquet, as you like to say, laid out for us at, at, a, at a great cost yes. to himself. You know, and I did not even go there, but I, I want to encourage you, um, look up Matthew 26, especially verses 27 to 29, um, where we see the, um, the practice of the Last Supper. And uh, when we actually just studied this section in a women's monthly startup, and we took communion together. And we talked about this, really the most powerful illustration that we have today as believers um, post-resurrection and waiting for Jesus to return is this practice of um, the the Last Supper, which Jesus instituted at the Passover celebration with um, the disciples. And he said to them, this is my body. This is my blood. He broke this loaf of bread in front of them and served them the wine. And when you drink of this cup, remember my blood, which was shed for you. When you eat this bread, remember my body, which was broken mm-hmm. for you. Um, and you know what? Since you said that, I want to just quickly point to there is, um, I think, some connection between Jesus having this meal and what we call the marriage supper of the lamb in Revelation 19. Yeah, um, bring it home, girl. Bring it home. <laughs> I said I was done earlier in life. Um, <laughs> where I'll read it for you guys. Um, Revelation 19, 6 through 8. Oh, I can't read it without getting chills. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah. For the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And it was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Um, and when Jesus says to them at this last supper, you know, I'm, he says to them at the end of that section in Matthew, I'm not going to drink of the vine until I, I see you again. Um, I think, and there's a lot of um, scholars that I read that do believe this, that he's referring to that. There's actually going to be the opportunity to sit down and have a marriage feast with our groom. Right. Um, 
And, you know, you said it, that tangible illustration, again, of this, we're going to remember the Passover. Oh, my word. We could talk for another hour on this. Yeah. (laughs) Sitting at that table, celebrating the Passover and the blood of the lamb over the doors from generations before them with the lamb of God, who shed his blood. And, and I'm going to just add too to circle back (laughs) to something else you said, (laughs) um, like I was reading and said, I've been studying in first Corinthians and Paul talks about, we're all partaking of this broken loaf, but it's one loaf. And so just our unity and just going back to what you said about how we, we feast on Christ, but then we give that to others. And so just how we then break our own lives, sacrifice our own lives to feed others, and that we are all this this unified body. Oh, my word. It's so, so good. You guys, this is why I love studying the Bible with, with other people. I, I'm literally going to go back, even though we studied to, to prepare for this, I'm going to go back and take notes on this. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it, too. Yeah. So, you guys, I just, I want to encourage you, maybe you even consider doing communion as a family. Um, yeah, absolutely. Why not? You know, we, why is that more, why is that less likely to be done at Christmas time than putting ornaments on the tree or, you know, even the Jesse tree? If you guys haven't done that, we love that tradition. Um, but yeah, let's just, let's take some time this week. I want to encourage you go back, dig through some of these passages of scripture. As always, read what comes before and what comes after to kind of put it in context um, and really meditate on this idea that. Um, Jesus literally gave up his body and his blood for our salvation. He is our provision for life. Yes. I love this. The Bible is a unified story (laughs) that leads to Jesus. Like, I love how you've just, you've taken us from Exodus to Revelation. Like, I just love seeing that connecting thread. Yeah. It's so cool. God is such an amazing story writer. He wants us to know him, and he shows us how to do that. Yes. I hope you were encouraged today, friends, and I hope you will dig back into some of the references Angela dropped. They were so good, so jot them in the margins of your Bible so that when you're looking back through John six Mm -hmm. months to a year from now, you'll be able to pick back those pieces again and, and make those same connections. Yes. Awesome.